0: Thank you, Jessica. I'm not preaching this morning, so I didn't even put my um, microphone on, just as proof, in case you didn't believe me. I thought if I said that, they won't even believe me. But anyway, today is our Thanksgiving share service, and we do have, a, a, even though we are a non-denominational church, we do have church traditions. And um, one of them is our Thanksgiving share service, and for many, many years, people in this body have um, stood out there or come forward and, and just given, given an account of the goodness of God in their lives. And Psalm 100, verse 4, says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And then he simply says, give thanks to him, bless his name. I looked up that word, uh, that, that scripture, just a little bit, and the word bless. And in this context, that word bless means adore on bended knee. Adore on bended knee. What a beautiful picture of what it means to bless God and, and to give thanks to God. And um, I just want to give thanks for the pastor's appreciation gifts that I received last weekend. You guys were very, very generous in your resources, very generous with your words. And it was a a blessing that really touched my family to the core of our hearts. So thank you very much. I'm very, very appreciative of the way God constantly uses you to encourage me in the ministry. And there um, have been a, a few volunteers for this service, two to be exact. And they are both wonderful young ladies. And I will let them share their hearts with you in the order that they uh, approached me. And the first will be Cheyenne. And then my wife Lisa will also share a word with you. And if there's any time left, um, maybe you'll have an opportunity to come up and share something from your heart. I do want to say that Corky's mother's funeral is at 2 o'clock today, and I am doing that service. So my family and I pretty much need to be out the doors by about 12. We have other preparations to make. So if the service is, can, keeps on going, you can stay here as long as you want unless you're going to the um, funeral. Sam's kind of going to be in charge of the, the closing and the praise, prayer and announcements. But... Um, it's not because something you said or didn't say. If you see me just kind of leave and walk out the door and gather my things, we just have another some more ministry uh, to do today. So um, appreciate that understanding. And Cheyenne was the first, and pretty early on she said, uh, is there any more spots to share? And I said, actually, you are the first. So come and be the first.
1: So I want to start off by saying there's a lot of things this year that I could be thankful for and sit here and talk about for basically the whole day. Because this year, God has worked the most in my life. Or I should say, I've allowed him to work the most in my life. I'm not here. Just Okay. <laughs> so if a guy came in here shooting, most of us would duck. There's a few in here who would look for where the shots were coming from, sure. The person ducking explains to me at the beginning of this year. Any sign that I could get hurt, any time I felt confident for a moment, or anything with risk, I would run from. I would close wrong people off, and I would put myself in this fake emotionalist bubble. The problem was I was still getting hurt. I made so many mistakes, I was depressed, and I was doing everything I could to make it worse. Sometimes on purpose, but sometimes on accident. Now I'm standing here today, and I can honestly say I haven't been depressed for over a month. I know it sounds like such a short time, but to me I can't remember being without depression for that long. Recently I remember my friend just looking at me and saying Cheyenne with a questioning smile on her face. She could tell something was different before I even realized it. I'm no longer running from the hurt, my past, or emotion, but instead I'm running towards Christ. I'm not perfect, but I'm learning that I can tell the insecurities in my head, the fear, the temptation, and anything else to go jump off a cliff because of God's strength within me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. Sounds like such a simple verse, but it is so empowering when you truly believe it and live it out. I'm a child of God, so no matter the heartbreaks, no matter the mistakes, the struggles, the much more learning I have to do, I'm enough as I am because Christ lives in me. I've made the most mistakes this year, but I've also grown the most. I never want to stop growing. That's what God has shown me this year, and I will strive to continue to learn and truly believe it.
2: How the Lord gets you up here? Um, when I felt like the Lord was tugging on my heart, um, I kept assuming I was not think that it was not Him speaking to me. And just so you know, just because I'm the pastor's wife does not mean that His gift and calling naturally um, fall on me, just because I am His wife. Um, And so I was thinking to myself, Lord, are you kidding me that you would want me? I'm sure you're not really asking me to do this. And um, then that very morning that that I was wrestling with him about it, I opened my Bible, you know, randomly just opened my Bible. And so I read Psalm 49 and 10, and I thought I would read it to you. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your salvation. I do not conceal your love and truth from the great assembly. And as soon as I read that, Paul was in his office and I was like, "Um, Paul, I guess I will I'll speak." And so the Lord kind of decided for me that I would um give thanks today so I want to publicly praise the Lord um, for his work in my soul this year as a farmer as I began 2018 I had two realities I found one I get depleted that's bone weary can't hold on depletion and it's been happening for the last three years I find myself in this place of just being bone-weary. And I said to the Lord at the beginning of 2018, this is ludicrous that I, as a child of God, would be this bone-weary. Something has to change. And secondly, I found that I had this elusive understanding that of joy, love, peace, the fruits of God's Spirit. I could hold on to them for a moment. I knew them intellectually, but to live them out on a daily basis was eluding me. And when I was at the conference in April, I heard Piper use this verse, and he actually preached an entire sermon on it. There are many who will say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord, for you have put more joy in my heart than those people have when their grain and wine abound. And he went on to explain that the grain and wine of that culture meant harvest and bounty and that there was much to celebrate because that was their sustenance for the year. And he says, God put more joy in my heart than they have when the harvest comes in. And I read that verse, and I couldn't figure out what was eclipsing this joy lived out on a daily basis. But God knew. So he put on his bibbed overalls, so to speak, and his straw hat, and he grabbed his hoe, and he went to work on the soil of my heart. The Lord had to do two plowings this year before he could sow any seeds. And in his faithful, steadfast love, he began to unearth And plow up my sinful weaknesses of self-sufficiency. This self-effort, self-focus, and self-pity. Time and time again, he would grab his plow and he would expose my self-effort, my self-sufficiency. And all this self was leading me to be bone-weary. I might accomplish much. For uh, my calendar was constantly full and I was out doing, 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 but I would walk away and my soul would feel hollow. So gently, the Lord spoke to me as I was seeking his face and he said, Come Sabbath with me. I was really hoping that he would say, dedicate a day every week to have fun with your friends. I really thought that that would be the ticket that he would say because I was working so much. And um, I thought, I need fun. I live for fun. Fun will obviously be what he says. And he didn't. He said, come away and Sabbath with me. And I thought, well, I'm having my daily devotions. I'm coming to church. I'm ministering in your kingdom. And he said, no, Lisa, for this season of time, I want you to set apart a day to stay at home with me. Spend the whole day with me. Behold me afresh. And I've heard, and I don't know who's quoting it, but it's not my own. It says, you become what you behold. And that is true. So I spent the last five months studying a book that I want to highly recommend. It's called None Like Him. It's by Jen Wilkins. I heard her at a different conference. Actually, Paul and I and some of the other um, people heard her speak, and then I bought her book. And, and so for the last five months, I've been studying this one book on my days of Sabbathing with the Lord. And in this book, I studied ten different attributes of God that set him apart from us, that are exclusively his attributes and his attributes alone. And God has allowed me to gaze at him afresh, to realize I'm not like him. He is transcendent above all things. And it has caused me to be able to open my hands and not try to live so self sufficiently, but to trust him more. And he has allowed me to see the arrogant pride in my heart, this envy of wanting to possess things that only he has. And so an example of that might be in one of um, the chapters was on God's all being all-powerful. And so we know that he's all-powerful. We're grateful that he's all-powerful. I'm grateful that he's all-powerful. And in my mind, I know that. But in my reality lived down on a daily basis, I realized that it was not true, that I didn't believe it, that I was trying to be him. And I kept filling my schedule and doing and not accepting that I have limits to my own strength. That he, he divinely put boundaries and limits, human weaknesses, as a gift to me. One, to remind me, you're not me. And that should make me be in awe of him. And two, to be dependent on him. That he alone is God. And so I must accept that I'm not all-powerful, that I have limits, that I have to rest. For years and years, I've told my family knows and anyone who's close to me, I have to have eight to nine hours of sleep minimum. And it has always been a source of pain to me and shame because I didn't understand that only God doesn't sleep. I needed to accept my weaknesses and not try to live self-sufficiently. So that was the first plowing that the farmer did. And as any farmer knows, he kind of, a farmer scratches the surface with his first plow. Can't get as deep. So the second plowing of my soul went much deeper. And the Lord took the plow to all my relationships with others closest to me and outward. He began to expose this lack of agape love born from his spirit. And we talked in Sunday school this morning about love and what love is. And I learned that agape love is we have when you read the word love in scripture, you have Eros and Phileo and Storge and Agape. And three of those are earthly. Only agape is heavenly because it's the God it's the love Christ has for us and it's the main word used in the new testament and so it is the god, it's the love that god has for us and that and that he commands us to have for one another and so in um this agape love means that he has no strings attached it means i give this love away without expectation of anything in return and so Galatians 5:13 and 14 was one of the verses that God used in my life as he was plowing. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use this freedom as an opportunity for your flesh. But through agape love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, for the bulk of 2018, God has been plowing deeper into my heart, revealing and unearthing a self focused love. A love that has wrong motives, a love that has strings attached. And each time that I gave love away and it all wasn't reciprocated, got my feelings hurt. And, or if I was sinned against, offended, God would plow my heart and he would whisper again, lean down and whisper. He would say, Lisa, have I not loved you? Have I not forgiven you? You've done this very thing to so-and-so in a different situation. If I can forgive you and I can love you in agape, then certainly you can. Because love your neighbor, love your family, love the relationship that I have for you because I will never ask you to agape others more than you have received from me. And that isn't that true that his love for us is exponentially greater than anything he would ask us to do for others. So, those were the two plowings of my heart this year in 2018. And with gratitude, I can say that he never plows our hearts, my heart, without sowing seeds. Because he wants to reap a bountiful harvest for his kingdom. Because we're not here to live for ourselves. So Hosea 10.12 says, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love. Break up that fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain down righteousness upon you. So I can tell and I testify today that God is sowing the seeds of agape love in my heart. He is allowing me to behold him, and the beauty of the gospel is coming into techno color and joy joy that I was elusive before is starting to bubble up within me as long as the farmer picks these two weeds on a daily basis from my heart. The weed of entitlement and the weed of I deserve. They have to be daily plucked from the soil of my heart because my heart grows those weeds quickly. They are toxic and they leach the love and the joy and the peace from our souls from my soul and when I forget the cross when I do not daily recount and remember that I deserve nothing but his wrath but God gives me lavishly his love those weeds of entitlement choke out the fruit of God's spirit and I think as a seasoned Christian and that um, I've been a Christian for 44 years and counting. And I think as a seasoned Christian or a mature believer, we grow so comfortable with the message of the gospel. And we can share it with others, but it doesn't permeate us at times. We grow crust over our hearts so it doesn't affect us like it should. We forget how sinful we really are to this day. We are sinful and deserve the breath of life I have this day Is his gift to me. I deserve wrath, and he gives grace. And it all happened at the cross. So these weeds of subtle entitlement that creep up in my heart go something like this. I deserve relationships that are not always hard work, because I certainly work hard at being relational. I deserve to grow old without aches and pains because I have worked hard since I was 30 to be disciplined and to um, take care of my body. I deserve a job that I enjoy because I'm a hard and loyal worker. I deserve to be healthy because I strive to eat healthy and, and exercise. I deserve a secure retirement. Because I have faithfully saved my money year after year and not lived lavish. I deserve a spouse who appreciates me because I love and appreciate my spouse. And so you can think all the things where you say in subtle ways like I do, I deserve, I'm entitled. But this common and subtle way of thinking flies in the face of the gospel. It reeks of self-effort. And entitlement. You know, we grow, I grow irritated with God and others when um, these things I think I deserve are removed. Or when I mislabel them as needs. Joy wilts and love becomes conditional. But the gospel says I don't deserve anything but God's wrath. I deserve his judgment. I deserve his death. But God gives me himself. God gives me himself. And that is the greatest agape gift ever. So all these other things, the job, the health, the retirement, the easy relationships, all of that are undeserved blessings, lavish gifts. If removed, if God removes those, which he does at times, then God, who is love himself, is all to me. That is what I need. And that alone should bring joy to my heart. And if he removed those things, then perhaps those things were the very things that were keeping me from beholding him. And so I want to just um, publicly say I'm grateful today that I have eyeballs, that I can see you. Not because I deserve them, but it's become so common, like brushing my teeth, that I see and I don't I don't often feel thankful for them. And I wake up with breath of life, and I get to be among the saints, and all those things are gifts from God. And how can I not have joy? How can joy not bubble up within me because of all these added blessings? And if he strips those all away that we have Christ himself, and he's coming back for us. And his love for us is steadfast and secure. And that is something to be grateful for. Joy should be our daily experience when we remember that we deserve his wrath, but we get his love and grace. So that is my praise, that is my thanksgiving to the Lord that he is bringing me as a farmer through all of these sowings and and plowings and harvests. And I pray that he will receive a harvest of praise to God today. Thank you.
0: Thank you, my wife, for bearing the rich soil of your soul. You have me on the edge of my seat for a variety of reasons. <laughs> we have a few minutes. Um, if you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit and uh, you want to come up here and share with the body, um, we'd like for you to do that. Is anybody? Don't rush for it all at one time. Yes. Surely someone is. Um, I see a hand. Oh. Oh, oh. so we have two. Here's go ahead, come on up, Carol, and then pal, I would like to, to share something.
3: I'm not grateful. I'm not grateful that I had a broken shoulder. I'm not grateful that I've been in surgery twice. I'm not grateful that I still have a opostomy, and I'm not grateful that I have a hernia. I'm not grateful about these things. Have I questioned God why? No. It's not, my, it's not my place to question Him. But wait a minute. I am grateful. I'm still alive. I didn't die. I'm grateful. The body of Christ reached out to me and loved on me like you simply would not believe. I'm grateful that people care that they come and see you. I'm grateful that He gave me ministry. During all of this time, in the hospital twice, sheltering arms once, and the woodland once, and then two different sets of... Um, Home health care people. He gave me ministry. He gave me opportunity to pray with people for them to pray with me. So, yes, I am grateful. And yes, life is hard. And you just pick up the pieces and you keep on going, Iris, right? Just keep on going. So, when we have that thing inside of us that says, I'm not grateful. You know, when I woke up that, after that second surgery, and the pain was so intense, I actually thought I would die, and I actually wanted to. That's not what God had for me. Thank you.
0: Do you mind just quickly introducing yourself?
4: Hi, uh, my name is Powell, uh, I, last week when Pastor Paul was asking for people to share, I said, I don't know if I could share or not. <laughs> and I've been waiting on Wednesday as well, and I, you know, today I said, well, you know, if nobody shares, and I'll share. Uh, my my family's here, where we just arrived from India about, uh, three weeks ago, two, two weeks ago actually. Uh, and we have been serving in India for the last four and a half year to five years there among the, uh, Muslims there. Uh, what, what God brought was, Guy brought not, we just didn't serve with the Muslims in, in India, but we have Muslims from 18 countries in the Middle East and Northern Africa that uh, have come there for school, and uh, we're serving uh, them. Uh, we're ministering, uh, you know, using English as a tool uh, to get into the lives there in uh, India. Uh, so we're here, we're here at the Restoration Farm. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things that I wanted to share about, uh, you know, is, uh, yeah, you know, being grateful, being thankful for the Lord. Uh, you know, something that this year was a challenge. Uh, what I want you guys to know it was a challenge. Why was it a challenge for a missionary to not be thankful? <laughs> I think that that's, that's the hardest thing they do is, you know, we, you, we, when you go there, you go with such passion and such such great heart. Like you want to do so much, yet at the same time, while you're there, God is doing so much inside of you, as what uh, the pastor's wife said was was talking about. It's a it's a season where God's doing a lot of things within our own hearts as well. And this year has been one of the toughest years. We've been there for four or five years now, but this was the toughest year for our family. Uh, this year we lost. Uh, this year, all the, all the teams, uh, from different, different organizations, different denominations, different mission groups have all been kicked out of, uh, of our city with only family left. All of our teammates, we have, uh, you know, we had a teammate, uh, lady that had to come back home because of, you know, personal issues and so forth. And then a death in the family. We have a team member that came who just arrived on the field and three days left the field because it was, she, uh, just didn't feel like it was a place for her. Uh, we had another family that came and stayed with us for about four months or five months. And then they had to be sent back home because of something that happened between their, their family and, and our daughter. And so, you know, all these things that happens on the field that you, you don't think that would ever happen, happens. Uh, we went through, uh, you know, forced to leave the country. Uh, we had to, uh, you know, we even, uh, you know, threatened to be put on the blacklist. You know, we, uh, had police come and investigate us because we had people who, uh, uh, you know, were competitors who thought that we were, uh, doing other stuff. Uh, so, one thing after another thing, and it was really tough. The hardest thing for me to be thankful for was when something happened to our daughter. That you, that you know, as a mother, father, you would never wish. Our father's, our daughter, my daughter's four years old, and that was the hardest thing for me. Because as a father, you, I feel like I could, you couldn't protect my own daughter, and I. T- I said to God, "God, where are you? Where were you? Where were you when I was not able to protect my daughter?" And with that, our teammates are all gone with only one left. We came uh, back to get a new visa, and they gave us the wrong visa as well. <laughs> yeah, we spent fifteen thousand dollars, fly back emergency to apply for a visa. They gave us a B-3 visa, which is a multi-million dollar, million dollar company visa. And, you know, for a little small English school, we could never meet that uh, uh, that requirement. So we had to come back again. <laughs> this just happened in July, and now we're back here in, uh, in the U.S. again, trying to apply for a visa again. But all this, you know, through this whole time, we've investigation from the police with the foreign registration people asking us over and over again to register, to do things and so forth, uh, people asking for bribes so that we could stay in the country. Uh, it was tough for me as a, as a worker and as a follower of Christ to the point where the doorbell rang and my heart would start beating so fast or the, nah, the front door to our, to our school opens and I will, I will have this fear come upon me because I was afraid that the Central Bureau of Investigation are coming in to investigate us again. And got so to the point where I would drive down the road and I see a policeman and I would try to avoid it because I'm afraid they might stop me. And it was so bad to the point where during my quiet time with the Lord, I said, God, where are you? What's going on? Why is it so tough? Why is everybody kicked out? Why is is there nobody left? Why is it just my family? And why is it that I have this fear upon me right now? And during that quiet time when I was waiting upon the Lord, He spoke to my heart. I shared this with the young people on Wednesday a little bit, but I didn't get to share the whole story. But the Lord said to me during that quiet time, I was doing a study on worries and anxiety because I feel that worry and anxiety right there. And I said, God, where are you? And through that, through that quiet time, he spoke to my heart. he said to me, you're looking at the wrong thing. The whole time I was looking at my, the problems, the worries, everything that was out there. And yet, you know, I wasn't looking at my God. Who, who is my God? And he said to me, When you look at your problems and you make your problems so big, then you make me look so little. Then I'm so little. But when you look at me, then your problem becomes little. But because you've been focusing on the issue, the problem, what's going on, you forget that I'm God and I'm bigger, bigger than all that. You know, the one thing that he said to me that really, really touched my heart, that I'm so grateful, so thankful for, is this. He says, if everything falls apart... If everything is da- goes down the drain, it's because I allow it to go. You're not in control. You have no control at all. I do. If everything falls apart, if you're the last person you get kicked kick out of the country, so it be because I want it to be. But if not, I'm able and I'm capable and I can do what I want. Do you trust me? And that was the word that, that the Lord said to me, do you trust me? And I remember getting down on my knees and crying. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. Over and over again, he has proven to us over and over again that he's faithful, that he loves and so forth. But when when everything boils down to, at the end, comes back to the heart issue. And he says, do you trust me? And I said, yes, I do. I'm so sorry. I trust you. This was just three, three, four weeks ago. He says, okay, now, when you go back to apply for your visa, go to the restoration farm. You know, we, I met Cookie and, and, uh, Jeff about four or five years ago. They said that they had a little farm here for restoration. And I never thought I would come here. <laughs> he says, go, you need to meet with me again. You need to see me again. You need to keep your eyes fixed on me again. It wasn't the the ministry in India is not fruitful. It is fruitful. We have many people who are coming and who are interested and who are, uh, you know, we're building relationships with 18 Muslim countries. With all these people who are doing their doctorate and their master's degrees. But yet, God says to me, I need you to keep your eyes fixed on me. Because ten thousands around you may fall, but I'm going to hold you. But I need you to keep your eyes on me. Because I can't be your shelter, I can't be your fortress, I can't be your protector if you don't trust me. And that's what the Lord said to me. And I'm so grateful that he he hasn't given up on me yet and on my family. And coming here, that's why we are here at the Restoration Farm. We need this time to be quiet and to come to the Lord and just bask in his goodness, just to see him again for who he is, to learn to trust in him again. And we're so grateful that, you know, even though we're here I, I told my wife, we said we're going to Restoration it. We don't know how we're going, to, how we're going to make it there. <laughs> I called Cookie uh, and Jeff and said, I know there's some costs to staying there. Uh, do you have a low package? Because <laughs> yeah, we're we're the first missionary from our our people group, and we've been excommunicated from our people group because we we uh, did not go back to our people group, but we went cross culturally to Muslims. And so we have no support, and so we were like, hey, "We're gonna come here. How are we gonna make it here? And I don't know how many months we're gonna need to be here." So Jeff said, "Well, we have the seven dollar package uh, <laughs> for a person, uh, you know, for your family, so that make thirty dollars a day if you could do it." I said, so, "Okay, we'll cook for ourselves." So, but you know, God is faithful. You know, we mentioned that we're coming here. Uh, you know, we had a friend who uh, we met one time. He said, "Okay." They gave three thousand towards a restoration fund. I said, "Praise the Lord!" Yesterday, I got an email from uh, the international office, way over in London, that they're sending three thousand to help us so that we could stay here and really meet the Lord as well. So God is so good; He's so good and so faithful. And I just want to share that with you. I'm so thankful. My family we are here because of the grace of God, and we're thankful for that.
0: Thank you, pal, for bearing your soul. Uh, You know, we've been learning in Matthew that Jesus is the king. And what the king does is he comes to this earth and he's restoring it. And so now we we see where the primary gardens are of restoration. All of these testimonies have revealed to us that God's deepest work is in our own hearts. It's in the hearts of his people because we are the lights. We are the disciples. We're the ones that are going to go out and teach and preach and love our neighbors. And so God is just doing that deep, deep work. And as Pal was um, talking, I was thinking, yeah, what you kind of set it up. Yeah, well, what do you do when God everything goes wrong that possibly could go wrong? And you heard his conclusion. You heard where the Lord led him. Uh-uh, it's not out there, it's up here. Look at me, trust me. When we fight against the sovereignty of God, it twists us all up. I do it on a daily basis, I know. <laughs> We fight against the sovereignty of God. It twists us all up. Trust him. He knows more. He loves more. His plan will be accomplished. So we have really, really been blessed here this morning. We came to to say to God, we're so grateful. And in doing that, look what has happened. He has blessed us in return just from these testimonies for just raw, heartfelt testimonies. But God is a good God. When he starts something, he will complete it. Amen. Amen. The thank you, volunteers, for sharing your hearts and, and praise be to God. We do thank the Lord for his work in us. And Sam, if you would come and close us out, I think I'm just gonna go ahead and pack up and it's as good a time as any, right? Got a 10 left?